Welcome. Welcome. You are listening to Curiosity Lab, a radio show dedicated to questions and wonder. I am your host, Shanti O'Connor. And co-host, Adam Bram. Hello, Central Oregon. This is Adam Bram. I am in the studios today. I have been out for three weeks, and Shanti has been so gracious to uh, to cover all the shows and has had absolutely wonderful guests this last uh, three weeks. So uh, today I'm just in the studio by myself, and I have a very special guest, and there's, this is going to be a really fun show. And I've been uh, really looking forward to this topic, but I know, and I know that uh, recently we've decided to start going towards a, a podcast style for the other half of our show. So um, be sure to go to our website, kpov.org, and check out uh, the streaming podcast. There is a podcast button uh, right on the, the menu bar, and you can listen to all uh, past shows and listen to the other half or continuous uh, streaming of these of these shows. Uh, today, I have Nick Levitch. Thank you so much for coming in the studio today. Yeah, thanks for having me, Adam. Much appreciated. Yeah, so uh, we, we met uh, probably a couple times uh, at this sauna, which is like, uh, I hope uh, you're, you're part of the sauna guru crew which uh, is like yeah. we always get into some really fun interesting things there uh so uh and and obviously it all started off well uh, you probably either overheard at me or we were talking about psychedelics or consciousness aliens you were talking know. about how the studio is haunted and oh. and uh like smudging and and basically that whole side of things yes yes that's right oh yes uh and we can talk about that all day uh, yeah, right. it is a, it's a fun ghost here and i do have to i do have to uh deal with him sometimes which uh i might have to get a specialist in to take it a little bit further. I don't know, but it's a fascinating story with the building here for sure. Um, so uh, yeah, so when we first met, we were you know we got into a deep discussion about psychedelics and, and even and I'm hoping maybe we can get into down further into the five meos. But I think uh, one of the most fascinating aspects of our current times is that we do have uh, this big movement happening. There's a lot more uh, uh, lifting, uh, if you will, of of the perceptions of of, of the negativity or you know what has been unfortunately uh, planted in society that there's uh, there's a lot of uh, bad things to psychedelics when there's actually a lot of great things um, obviously uh, and so um, please tell me a little bit about what uh, what you're doing how, how you got into it maybe and about your your website and what your services and what you're up to yeah so um, I started a company called psychedelic passage back in 2019 and the original impetus to starting that was recognizing that the average person had a really hard time finding a reputable psychedelic guide near them and so Michael Pollan's book had just come out he really stressed the importance of having a facilitator a trained guide but there was no discussion as to how to find one. And so the big thing for me was, okay, how do we help the average human find a reputable guide, knowing that the vast majority of these people exist underground and have for the last decade. And yes, we've got you know state-sanctioned programs coming online here in Oregon, which I can happily talk about. But in general, most people had no idea how to find a qualified support provider. And so that was what started the whole thing. And what was really interesting was after... We took several hundred consultations. We actually realized that that wasn't enough because people didn't even know what they needed. They didn't know what they wanted. They didn't know what options were available. And so what's funny is that there's this big concept of psychedelic-assisted therapy, but the how, nobody really understands, at least not most journeyers or most clients, those who are actually seeking services. And so that creates this power imbalance where if you say, hey, my name's Adam, I'm a facilitator, and I just take your word for it, I've done no vetting, no no checking. 
I'm, I'm just taking your word for it. And that opens up an environment where you're, you're essentially ripe to be taken advantage of. Mm-hmm. And so the big thing for me is how do we create enough education and boundaries around this that the folks who are seeking treatment, we increase the likelihood of them having good outcomes. Yeah, that's, that's an amazing insight and, and realization. Now, uh, were, what were some of the other things that you, that you discovered after creating this that is going to empower people and really kind of help shape and develop this? because that's a it's a big responsibility in some regards. Yeah, so essentially what we've done to kind of um solve the problem that I'm describing is that we basically function as a centralized concierge service and we curate a network of facilitators and all those facilitators are required to go through a series of of essentially vetting standards, right? Everything from background checks, applications, reference checks and and so um for someone to even gain admittance into the network, they've got to basically pass what we deem to be uh, someone that we would send you know, a friend or family member, a loved one to. And then because we are a, a essentially unaffiliated third party, we moderate the network. And so let's say a client comes back and says, hey, I had a really poor experience with this person. We can go figure out what happened to the best of our ability and then decide, do we need to keep this person in the network or is it time for them to go? And that creates this recourse, this feedback loop, so that the facilitators, the service providers are incentivized to act in accordance with this code of conduct, with these best practices and uphold the moral ethical standards that I believe need to be a part of any sort of you know psychedelic intentional use. Absolutely, and there's not a lot of clarity. I would assume there's just not. It's, and there's a lot of openness, at least for leadership. There's a need, right? And and it's yeah. really admirable that you that you you know really took took that and, and is um, is an important and and humane and and logical thing to do, right? Yeah, and it's hard. Like it's it's hard to 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 do this because. Before we got started, there were no standards on what made someone qualified to do this work. Everyone's got a differing opinion on what makes someone qualified. And this is one of the things that I'm really passionate about because in my opinion, a mental health license is not enough. State licensure with the state of Oregon, you become a licensed facilitator, it's not enough. And so that's one of the things that I feel called to talk about because we are in central Oregon here is that what the state has done with facilitator licensing requirements is extremely low bar. And so a facilitator to be licensed with the state only needs 200 hours of education. 160 of those hours are online, which only leaves 40 of them for in-person experience. There's no requirement that you've journeyed yourself. There's no psychological eval. There's essentially nothing other than a background check and a high school diploma. And so to be clear, you need more training to be a barber in the state of Oregon than you do to be a psychedelic guide. Yeah, that's that's ridiculous, and it's unfortunate, and we could probably get into you know the reasons why and maybe um, the the legislative and, and challenging aspect of the state. But I think before we get into anything else, it's really important that the folks listening understand uh, what these providers do and and what is the process and exactly what to expect if you needed to go get treatment or if you wanted to seek out help at this level. Yeah, so it's going to vary based on where you go, whether it's like an international retreat or a state uh, sanctioned service center or an underground provider, but there's a couple of these core tenants that are going to hold true regardless, assuming your facilitator knows what they're doing, right? So if you're like, hey, I'm interested in doing this, I've got anxiety, depression, PTSD, whatever it is that you're going for, the first thing that anyone's going to do is is assess fit. 
So on a human level, like, is this someone I would want to work with, right? Do I feel good in their presence? Do I feel judged? Do I feel safe? How do I feel when I'm with them? If both parties, the journeyer and the facilitator, decide that they want to move forward, the first thing any adept facilitator is going to do is take you through a health screening process. Mm. That's going to help ensure your safety as a participant and theirs as a facilitator. They're going to look at things like physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual health. Um, Assuming you get cleared and everything looks good there, the, f- the second thing that's going to happen is you're going to put a date on the calendar for what we call a ceremony or a guided session, right? That's the actual dosing session where you're consuming the psychedelic medicine. Typically, that's going to be a minimum of two weeks out from that health questionnaire process, right? And the reason is because we have to do preparation. And so there's a lot of people that think, and this is one of the things that we're battling in the Western world is, hey, if I just take a pill, I'll feel better. That's how we've been indoctrinated. And so people think, oh, if I just go sit with psilocybin, I'll feel better. But that's not the whole picture. And so what a, what a real true facilitator will do is once that ceremony's on the calendar, they're going to back into your preparation process. They're going to say, okay, Adam, we've got this journey coming up in, in four weeks. We need to get you ready. Right, And so what's that going to look like? Well, it could be a series of daily practices. It could be orienting around what to expect, fears, anxieties, setting intentions. And so the idea is that we're arming you with a map to navigate altered states of consciousness if you've never been there before. And have some expectations. Exactly. Yeah, that's really important because for most people, it's uh, probably a very big leap in uh, faith in itself. And so you really do want to be as uh, methodical and well thought out with every step that you take. That's really neat. But there is no guidance from any state level. This is, I mean, is this something a lot of that you've developed on on this protocol and process? Yeah, so we've developed this all uh, basically in in real time since 2019. Um, You know, I got into this work after apprenticing with an ayahuascaro for five years. And so that's where I got a lot of my space holding and, and basically frameworks to use when engaging with these medicines in addition to a lot of my own self exploration. I mean, I've had a lot of uh, what I'll call just like consciousness exploration oriented journeys, especially before I really knew what I was doing early on um, in college and whatnot. And so it's a kind of a combination of like firsthand experience navigating these states along with, uh, you know, mentorship, apprenticeship, and then breast practices that have come out of a whole community of facilitators, right? So it started as just me. Uh, facilitating for psychedelic passage, but now we've got 25 facilitators all across the country doing this. And wow, so there's a, there's wow. a co-learning and like a feedback loop that happens. So it's not just local uh, network that you're really working towards. It's more of a national. Exactly. And then you can probably break down into regional as it develops and whatnot. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, that's really, really fascinating. Yeah, and, and so uh, maybe help the listeners understand a little bit of um, what some of, are some of the common, most common um, challenges that people when they come to you that they're they're really looking to to get help with? Because I know it's it's probably every day, if not all the time. There's new things that people are, and and this comes back to the other aspect. I, I probably want to touch on too at some point is is the natural res- the research that you want and the drive to enhance this because this is still so new. Um, but I, I'm, I'm just so curious on all the levels and some of the things that people tend to come in with that are the most challenging. Yeah, so the the common thread that I think links almost everyone that's that's exploring this form of, of you know treatment or exploration, whatever you want to call it, is they feel stuck in some way. 
there's this feeling of stuckness, right? Like I can't get to what I want I, or, or I know something's there, but I don't have access to it. And what's funny is that's often directly correlated to the wall that people hit in therapy, right? Because with your thinking mind, you can only get so far. For a lot of us, what's holding us back is what's just beneath the surface, right? And what that often presents as is anxiety, depression, PTSD, addiction, OCD, eating disorders, you name it. And so, mm-hmm. you know, those tend to be the the kind of diagnoses, if you will, that people uh, come forward with. But one of the fascinating things about this work is that there's often something underlying the diagnoses. In other words, those are the symptoms. The core wound or the core issue is is deeper than that, and it manifests, mm-hmm. it results in these symptoms. Yeah, especially undiscovered uh, or uh, you know unchecked or worked on for years and years. A lot of times it can start with trauma. You know, I believe, truly believe that most alcohol or drug abuse stems from trauma and things that you just are avoiding. You're just trying to push back down, totally. and you're really afraid to get into that and uh, to understand your feelings and to touch those emotions, which are very fearful and and uh, can be very painful. And so I think that's where the next area I think it's important to go into is like you know what are some of the the greatest outcomes and and um, breakthroughs that can happen I mean the, everyone's different that's an important thing and everybody's journey is different and that's what's so challenging in some ways is that if this is very personal and that you can't just necessarily say and wipe a broad brush like this is what you'll get but uh, I mean I've had my own and I've had breakthroughs and, and, I, and I and I really thank you for for uh, for highlighting it's a consciousness journey is understanding the self, understanding a deeper meaning of life, of the self, and our connection, why we're here, what we're doing. Um, but it's but there's so much deeper and, and things that are uncovered, especially with psilocybin that I find so fascinating. Uh, and maybe maybe touch on some of those that you that you've discovered and that you really feel that people are are, are getting that that um, that we can all kind of think about that is a fascinating aspect. Yeah, so you hit the nail on the head. It's going to be different for everyone. What I always tell folks is like, you get what you want, or excuse me, you get what you need, not what you want, Mm. right? And so you've experienced this if you've journeyed with natural psychedelics. There's an element of intelligence there and it sounds so cheesy, but like when you take the medicine, it goes into your body, it scans you and it says, okay, this is this is where we're going today, right? And it's going to be totally unique to you and your own life circumstances. And so um, I would say that there are these themes that emerge, right? So you never know what you're going to get, right? But there are certain themes. So some of those include like, experiences of divinity, experiences of oneness, the ability to actually harbor and feel love for yourself, the ability to forgive, uh, let go, let go a sense of, um, discovery of what has been repressed or suppressed. Like I always tell folks, if you're not prepared to look under the hood, this probably isn't a good modality for you. (laughs) You right. have to be willing, and, yeah. and, and the intent has to be there. Exactly, but it's okay, and that's like some part of the journey is that you got to take a leap of faith. You've got to just say, "There's something out there that I need to know." And and I think we all probably don't realize it in the subconscious, but yeah, we're all journeying and seeking something at those levels, yeah, and, and to understand things at a deeper level. And I have some really good insight uh, and ideas, you know, to that. 
Estray and Dub, and uh, Vitamin Dub is the name of the track. It's uh, one of my favorites. I, you know, I found him in the organic house section uh, of uh, Beatport is where I get a lot of my music, and uh, so I just felt like today was a good day to do to do the dub. So Nick. You know, we're, we 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 started to get into some stuff, you know, and that's one of the challenges when you take a break. I just want to, you know, <laughs> like, wait, 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 you got to hold on to it. That's the good stuff. We got to wait for that on air. Uh, but, um, uh, yeah, so I'm trying to think, you know, what was, uh, what was one of the biggest things I thought uh, is so important to bring up for people in all this um, is the importance of understanding, I think we touched on it in the break, is understanding uh, how important it is for us to get a peace of mind, to open our mind, to have this uh, realization of this consciousness paradigm shift, this awakening. This It's a natural process that's going to happen. Our prefrontal cortex is ready to evolve. And I think well, this is the segue I want to get into. And this is what's so, so fascinating about uh, Terrence McKenna and his brother and, and the stone date theory. For people who don't know, you know, it's the theory that the, 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 the pre-homo habilis uh, uh, Neanderthal uh, era, not Neanderthal, but this is well before that. Them, uh, were following the, the the herds of cattle, and they were eating the mushrooms off of the cow patties, yep. and they were having a, a spiritual experience in a way, right? A very powerful. Well, and, then, and then the idea is that basically, like potentially, that's how language started, right? Yep. It was like a series yep. of mumbles and, and finding a way to communicate yep. with that yep. newfound sense. Yeah, we took a leap essentially because we were able to uh, dive into it, and I think that's where it's so fascinating that we are naturally evolutionary. Uh, whatever, if you're if you believe in God, God built us to have receptors for this. There's a reason why we're supposed to experience totally. this. Um, and I think that takes us into uh, some fascinating areas that I know we're going to touch on in the second half of this for the podcast uh, and and to get into this uh, multidimensional aspect. But I think uh, while we're here, I think it's really important that maybe you could touch on and highlight a little bit more of like what we just talked about is this, this personal experience about how it is this oneness and uni- unification aspect of how we're awakening and that it, it, this is so important, not just the the psychedelic and the, and the psilocybin, but this and how that ties into society and, and what we need right now. As we were talking, things are going to get stranger, things are going to get harder. Yeah. So I think one of the central things that connects folks who are feeling depressed or stuck in life is that there's a lack of connection. They don't feel connected to themselves. They don't feel connected to others. They don't feel connected to the, to the world, the universe, whatever you want to call it. And, and that creates this feeling of being isolated. And we are social creatures. We're designed. Deep down, we all crave connection. And if we don't have that, our, our, our body shows that, right? In the form of depression, anxiety, whatever it is. And so it's amazing because we've had all sorts of clients come through um, and work with facilitators in our network, right? So like quantum physicists who their entire idea of quantum physics was rooted in a lab, no direct experience, right? And then they go and have the direct experience of there being more than meets now the eye. Now it's real quantum physics. And then they're like, oh shit, like I <laughs> yeah. got to go back to the lab, yeah. right? And, yeah, and yeah. revise some of this. Yeah. And then same thing goes with, um, you know, like atheist judges who have spent their whole life, you know, wearing a robe and and have no concept of of God, religion, spirituality, any of it. They go through a journey and they're like, oh, huh, I might need to like adapt my worldview a little bit. 
And so we see this. And it's not guaranteed. Everyone's entitled to their own belief system. I'm not here to impress anything on anyone. But I think it's interesting that with something like psilocybin, there are these themes that emerge. Like, oh, I'm going to show you this. I'm going to show you this. What you do with that is totally up to you. Yeah, because it, it is, and I believe that fungus is one of the first living organisms and pro- quite possibly the one of the last, at least in our n- neighborhood in this in this galaxy, but uh, that it, it has a level of consciousness that we don't quite understand. I mean, obviously the microbiome um, under the soil and the network, you know, the, yeah. the avatar kind of world I mean, and all we that. know that it helps trees communicate, share resources. I mean, I think about fungi as like the nature internet absolutely yeah it's a network that's in the physical but that it can also tap into the zero point energy field which i believe is probably where consciousness and the dark dark matter dark energy kind of resides so it's it's a network that is that can tap into these other networks which um is super fascinating right and that's totally. where you can really get into some <laughs> some, some interesting topics because uh this is the kind of stuff to me i mean after i had a kind of a kundalini awakening um and it wasn't with any psychedelics although i have experimented with lots in the past that it, it was actually my realization that yeah consciousness is is all right and that that, that there is uh, something more to this mind and this reality and this awareness of awareness uh, and and so I'm, I'm guessing uh, you've probably had some pretty deep insight with uh, some of the research and experience that you've had as far as uh, the psychedelic substance uh, allowing for a deeper sense of self and deeper sense of, of purpose or, or of understanding. Can you talk a little bit more about how uh, you feel that that opens up to possibly even more inner dialogue to help heal or to, to have realization? Yeah, I mean, I think I think uh, a lack of direction as a human is a very challenging place to be, right? Like, where? what is your mission? What's your sense of purpose in the world? What are you here to contribute, to give back? I mean, we all have a unique gift. We're all one of one, right? Snowflake style. And, and the question is, like, what are you here for? And I think when we don't have a clear answer to that question, we lack a sense of belonging, we lack a sense of purpose, we lack a sense of why. And so those are the things that are, are I think, are really... Um, hard for people to navigate. And that's another one of those sources that can lead to these symptoms of addiction, depression, anxiety, whatever it is. And so the cool thing to me about psychedelics in that capacity is they, they turn off or turn down our defense mechanisms, right? So our ego, our sense of protection, our sense of what if this fails, if all that is out the window, even just temporarily, what is it that your heart wants? What deep down, what does your soul crave? And if you can get access to that, obviously you have to do something with it when you come back to reality, so to speak. But getting access to that is so powerful because it is the truth. It's your own truth. You're getting it from within. And I think that's the cool part about working with psychedelics is nobody's jamming the answer down your throat. You're discovering from within. It's your own inner healer that takes over. Yeah, and that is a revolutionary process and we've been probably needing that for many many generations and uh, there's probably a reason uh, there's an absolute reason why it has been considered a, a schedule one because I think the powers that be whatever you want to say governments or or um, you know the the guy the big brothers in charge I mean even just institutions like they're 
Naughty. Well, and they're afraid of people. I mean, I, I would say, you know, not to get too conspiracy theory about it, but I think, uh, you know, the the biggest liability to the government is awakened people because then we would question, you know, everything. authority <laughs> yeah. or everything, right? Yeah. Um, and so, uh, but it is refreshing to think, you know, that uh, fortunately, like, I think, right, is it Oregon was the first to... So, to yeah, Oregon was the first to decriminalize as uh, all... Um, well, the vast majority of drugs, but the, a side-by-side uh, along that, they essentially provided for state-sanctioned psilocybin-assisted therapy through licensed service centers. And so that is, we are the absolute first state that's going to have state-sanctioned access to treatment when it comes to psilocybin. Yeah, and so let's we're going to start with that in the second half, uh, and I hope everybody can go and, and listen. I think we'll have it uploaded tomorrow about the same time. We'll have this first half, and we'll have a second half for the podcast on uh, kpov.org under the podcast uh, section. Uh, But uh, I also, before we go, for all the listeners who can only tap in on on air, uh, Nick uh, has a uh, psychedelic passage website, uh, but is there other ways people can get a hold of you or would you like to drive them to the website? How would you like to leave some of the listeners uh, with um, how they can find you and get help? Yeah, so you can go to www.psychedelicpassage.com. You can email. You can also book a consultation from there. Um, We're on all social media channels. And then uh, you can also find me, Nicholas Levich, uh, on social media channels um, and reach out to me directly if you wish. Uh, And and, which which social media? uh, That would be LinkedIn, Facebook, Facebook. LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. Perfect. Yep. Awesome. And uh, yeah, and I would assume uh, when you have people go to the Psychedelic Passage to fill out the form, contact if you want to find out more information. Is there resources on the website? So many resources. So we have a podcast that we put out weekly. You can find that on Spotify and uh, Apple Podcasts. And then we also put out uh, a new blog article like every other day. And this is all unbiased scientific research and anecdotal based blog content. So all that's available for free on our site. Yeah, that's fantastic. It's it's really admirable and and honorable that you that you did this and you're doing this and that you're helping because there are a lot of people that are, are really interested in it. I have a close friend who who uh, is in the gray market kind of thing and it's so fascinating certain generations of how they're they're just blown away and they they're finally feeling like they have some clarity and they have some support and and they're we're lifting that uh uh, that stigma. So, uh. okay, and we're back. This is Curiosity Lab, and I have Nick Levitch with me uh, with uh, psychedelicpassage.com, and uh, we're we touched on some really really fascinating aspects of psychedelic treatment to uh, gosh some of the history of it, and uh, it's going to be really important that we kind of dive into a little bit more uh, understanding of, I suppose. A real, true, deep understanding of our purpose and how and how this is a a journey that is part of the human condition and human process. It is really, really a a powerful thing. Um, off the top of your head, what it, what were maybe a few things that we weren't able to touch on when on live on air that you'd like to to touch on when we as we uh, jump into the podcast half here. Yeah, so I think we did a good job of talking about what happens before the actual dosing or treatment session, but we didn't really talk a lot about what happens afterwards. And that's um, a process that we call integration. 
And so the to me, integration is defined as what do we do with the insights, realizations, downloads, messages, whatever we got during the journey? What do we do with that when we show up back to work on Monday, right? Because at the end of the day, if none of this makes your day-to-day experience of life better, what's the point? And, and I think that's where so many people fall short with like what I'll call unstructured or recreational psychedelic use is it's nothing more than a peak experience and nothing actually changes in their day-to-day experience of life after. And that's the part of the, the treatment, the therapy, the lasting change, the intentional use that I think is so important to honor as an essential part of this process. And that, that's really the goal is to give people and facilitate the ability for them to to work towards that. And it might not get it on the first time. It might not get it on the last time. And some people might be like really wanting more or something. But the fact is that you just are there to facilitate, to give that opportunity. Yep. Yep. And so that's where it helps to have a framework and some professional support when you're integrating, right? Because let's say you have the experience of, I'm just going to shoot out of a cannon here, but let's say you have the experience of like communing with your mother who passed 10 years ago right? Mm -hmm. Like, how do you explain that to somebody, right? These are experiences that transcend the mind. They transcend human language. They, they transcend what it, what we generally accept to be human. And so what do you do with this, right? It's like for most people, it's one of the most profound experiences of, of their life, second to marriage and childbirth. And, and, and unless you've been through it yourself, very few people understand what you actually just went through. Do you have similar experiences with near death that psilocybin can tap into because I want to get into the five MEOs, but we, this is a great segue, right? I mean, like there are yeah, commonalities so for sure. So I actually, um, was on a retreat with a, with a military veteran who had a near death experience due to a mine overseas. And what was so fascinating to me was what he described in that in between place, right in between life and death are, is very analogous to experiences that I've had on psychedelics, whether it's psilocybin, ayahuasca, DMT, whatever. But it, it's it's no longer a coincidence or surprising to me that what we're really doing when we go into these larger dose intentional psychedelic experiences is very much a, a death and rebirth process. Mm-hmm. And it mimics what happens when we have a near-death experience. And to me, when you think about the outcomes of someone who gets in a a near-fatal car accident and turns their whole life around, it's the same mechanism that that you experience when you go have a chance to die before you die with a psychedelic experience. And then you have this opportunity to turn your life around. Why? Because of this newfound perspective, this newfound awareness. And and you really start to, to reframe how you relate to the world around you. And I think that's what starts to change behavior. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess uh, my mind wants to go towards understanding, you know, this in between, but it actually really is so important that we, that we really uh, delve into this experience of this near death where it's this rebirth that is already baked in naturally in our bodies that we have this capability that some of the breakthroughs I would assume for some is realizing that the, your that death once you've broken through that you you're not really going to die that there's something even greater and bigger going on 
And that's why you see these medicines, these psychedelic medicines being used for palliative care and and essentially those who have uh, terminal diagnoses, whether it's cancer or, or something else, because death anxiety is a real thing. And if you can come to terms with what death is and how that impacts you, it allows you to depart this earth so much more gracefully. Yeah. And uh, I can't even think of, of something bigger as a gift that you can do to somebody who's been suffering and uh, to give them a peace of mind, to give them a, a glimpse of, of of something bigger than themselves to help them connect. Because really, in the end, that's what they might be most fearful of is that they won't have connection or, you know, what are some of the fears, the biggest fears when people are dying, right? What I mean, are, isn't it like losing, uh, you know, their money or, you know, their family or, or you know, losing their, their ego? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think, you know, we've all chances are anyone that's truly contemplated death has asked themselves the question of like, well, where do we go from here? If anywhere, like we just, does it fade to black? You know, like does what, what happens? And I think anyone that's had a deeper journey like this on psychedelics can, can generally say that, no, like you, you leave your body, but your essence continues on somewhere. How to describe that and put it into words, I think is incredibly challenging. Uh, But the fact of the matter is like, I don't think it's surprising that that many people with all different substances, all different backgrounds, all different ages, demographics, whatever, have all had this experience of dissolving into what is often only described as oneness. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so that's the soul level uh, dynamic that I think exists when we discard our garment, you know, our body. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like lifting the veil. Right. And, um, yeah, I mean, the Buddhists uh, have talked about this, this in between the bardo, right, in these yep. stages. Um, but, uh, and they, and I tend to lean a little bit more uh, what uh, they believe. There's some, there's a fascinating documentary movie about uh, watching these lamas uh, pass away where they've actually had blood come out of their crown, where the soul is leaving the body. And that is that white light that's coming in that comes and takes you, you know, yep. it's like, and that's taking you through the bardo. And they've proven physically that that's, you know, it's actually oh, coming through that area. And it's just so mind blowing. Uh, But, uh, but that there is this in between. I've read this really interesting book too. It's called the in between. And, uh, and it's a gentleman who crashed his Cessna plane. He's trapped out there and he would felt like he was in the in between for months and he was only for, you know, whatever, a few days and then went into the hospital coma, whatever. And, uh, but he felt like he was in there for months and it was just like this altered dimensional world of, of place, which is kind of this, um, this is Bardo, I suppose, where it's you're going to witness probably what you're supposed to witness. Right. Right. And and it was dark in places and it was a journey for him to understand and recognize that there's something more going on. Uh, but uh, that's where it's like the, the, the psilocybin can get you to a certain point. When I did ayahuasca, I worked with, uh, with shamans and it was really fascinating. And this is an Iquitos in Peru and, and deep in the Amazon jungle. And the, these are very authentic. This is like the core of where it all originated. Right. And it's yep. very, very potent, very uh, powerful, um, spiritual people and culture. Uh, but they talked about how, um, you know, and they do, uh, the, the San Pedro experience, experience as well, usually at the end of a lot of these, uh, you know, multi-week or multi-ayahuasca treatments. And, 
uh, they talk about, yeah, this, this cactus is more like the mescaline and, and it has its own very unique spiritual journey. But they talk about how the psilocybin is so powerful for, especially the, the, the people who are just wanting to get their, dip their toes in there. Because the 5-MEOs, you start to get into that or the, the heavy mescaline, which, boy, I mean, I took, you know, it was like taking 20 hits of that for, for, for 14 hours. It was way, way crazy. But, and that's not for the faint of heart. No. I mean, th- th- this is a, quite the journey, right? Uh, but, you know, the great thing for psilocybin is dipping your toes in it. But uh, where does where does the psychedelic experience uh, of getting to a certain point, and this is where I'm just curious on your insight on it, to where the five MEOs can kind of pick up and take you on? And maybe you can explain a little bit more about your understanding of five MEOs and how that's activated in our DMT um, cellular uh, energy. Yeah, so I, my personal perspective on this is that there gets to be a point where psychedelics and spirituality are inextricably linked. In other words, I don't know another framework aside from spirituality that allows you to hold it all. The bucket, the bucket of psychedelics. Right, Uh right. And, And so the nice thing is with psilocybin to a totally uninitiated novice first time journeyer, they don't have to have any relationship with spirituality to hold it. Like we have, we can give you a framework, a tool a vocabulary set to hold it. Right. But the further we get towards ayahuasca DMT, 5-MeO DMT, which tend to be more immersive experiences, uh, it is challenging to hold those without some what I'll call lens of non-duality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have to have some breakthrough and some awakening or some, uh, I guess... Uh, openness to Openness, it. yeah. Because I think that's where our conversation was when we first met. We were out of the sauna. We quickly got into that, and I was talking about the five MEOs. And, like, you know, that that is probably the next stages. I'm hoping that eventually for the, for, the, for the deeper journeyers, the people who are open or are not afraid of death or have made some of these initial breakthroughs, um, and, and and spiritual cleansing, you know, all these various uh, forms uh, are willing to go there. Uh, do you see that as something that we might have, like as a treatment? Is that will we have, you know, recreate not recreational, but we would have a treatment for ayahuasca? Yeah. So here's what's interesting: is Colorado was the second state after Oregon to pass a state-sanctioned uh, treatment program model, and there language in that legislation is actually written as the Natural Medicine Health Act. And so the state sanctioned program is going to start with psilocybin, but they basically left in an opportunity to include mescaline, ayahuasca, uh, natural DMT. And so anything that is considered a natural psychedelic, in other words, it doesn't require lab synthesis or manufacturing to make, is uh, has the potential to be... Uh, offered through the state sanctioned program alongside psilocybin would like lsd and uh some dmt 5-meo dmt synthesization is that's considered kind of outside of that because that's clinical and obviously we're producing it it's experimental but it's way in deep black op programs and whatnot the irony to that for me is that is that harvesting from the toad isn't sustainable either (laughs) and so we have to strike a balance here and so basically the legislators are, are trying to strike a balance between okay you know, we want to focus on the naturally occurring, the stuff that grows out of the earth naturally, but also there needs to be a, a honoring of sustainable harvesting practices so we don't overdo it. 
Yeah, it would be tough to to, to farm and to uh, harvest in an inhumane way. Uh, you know the to- a toad farm and stuff, so yeah, it gets challenging because. Uh, but um, I think we'll we'll probably get to points where we will have a figure a figured out balance to where we have a little bit of both. I mean, we're still scratching the surface, obviously, on most of this. I mean, barely scratching the surface on this, let alone the CBD and the, the THC and like all these other things. Um, but I'd like to take a quick pivot because this has been on my mind and I figure out, you know, we might as well uh, dive into it. What What is your take on the connection with the gray extraterrestrials and psilocybin? Have you heard anything about that? I'm not familiar with that. Yeah. So when I was in Peru and, and uh, this is, I mean, it gets into some really, really esoteric, fascinating stuff. I mean, Let's they were it. talking about sirens in the waters taking people's souls to, um, you know, the paranormal and extraterrestrials to, um, to even... Uh, different spirits and, and angels and different things that people have experienced. Obviously, these shamans have seen it all. It's been passed down. It's totally. not. It's not like it's just in their mind. There's no. something. There's something physical that's connecting to this other realm, right? And it's not the in between. There's something else, right? It, it's 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 the spiritual world, like the Pachamama, right? Is the, uh, which is the the, the essence of Gaia that's living through the the culture and the the womb if you will is the the Amazon uh, jungle and where these these shamans were tapping into right and um which was really fascinating to learn about how there were some and it's really gets into some fascinating areas where there's uh there's these ayahuasca uh, shamans that you know there's the, the dark ones that are kind of the yin yang of things and there's and there's the light ones and some of the dark ones claim their light and some of the like you know you know this is like really yeah. interesting but they they got into some stuff that I thought was super fascinating where um, and I kind of we kind of touched on how uh, fungus is this uh, living consciousness uh, conscious entity in a way it's not like a it's not like a plant it's not quite like a human you know like in the Paul Stamets movie yep. right they talk about how this yep. is this fungus is a is a unique element uh, uh, that's maybe foreign might have been one of the first things that was uh, yeah like on potentially here. off a meteorite or something absolutely yeah that might have been planted here by extraterrestrials I wouldn't doubt it's probably more along those lines that were seeded and this is all kind of you know part of a process. But, um, but that gets into the things about the, the the gray extraterrestrials, which are the most common people that people are experiencing in it. And um, I don't know uh, if you've heard. I just yesterday there's uh, a news report that came out uh, by uh, the National News uh, Corp, uh, which is a pretty non-biased, uh, middle-of-the-road uh, news organization, and, and a high-ranking military official came out and and is basically whistleblowing saying that we have recovered crafts and we have recovered bodies and we have re- reverse engineered and there is exotic uh, spacecrafts that the U.S. government uh, is harboring. Um, but the fascinating thing is with the shamans when doing the ayahuasca, they talked about how psilocybin has great breakthroughs and can get you to a certain point, but it, but it will feed on your consciousness in a unique way where sometimes, and this is what I've learned from them, they said, you know, if you really want to have these deeper journeys, that these real, you know, these DMT, 5-MeO level experiences where you're much more um, deep into visions, they call them. I yep. call them visuals, right? But they're visions or uh, they're, they're a visual journey of, of, of stories of your life and of what you're supposed to be told, right? You're not always asking, but it's you might have some intent, but you, you're going to get something completely different. The fascinating aspect and the connection is, is how psilocybin uh, naturally wants to uh, open up certain things where 
if you want to take that to the next level, but it's fascinating that they said that the, the psilocybin specifically or, or, or any most uh, mushrooms that have a level of psilocybin um, will f- will feed on you not in a bad way, but but that it, it has this consciousness that is it's a, it's tapping in like we talked about into this zero point energy, into this dark matter dark energy it's tapping in and it's feeding information through that which I found super super fascinating. Well, if you think about it, what do mushrooms do in nature? They decompose. Right. And so when I think about the way a mushroom works in our body, it starts to decompose all the gunk in there. Right. Shock, shame, trauma, weird beliefs, trauma, uh, uh, weird programming. It's the data in the network that it's processing. right? Exactly. And so I've had I've had journeyers describe this as like, oh, it's wiping the slate clean. Oh, it's going through my file cabinets and throwing out all the stuff I don't need anymore. And so there's this very um, common method of action that people perceive all in their own ways. But the idea is it's like reorganizing, right? It's like throwing, it's like cleaning house, right? It's throwing out all the stuff that no longer serves you, reconnecting stuff that wasn't talking to each other. And, and it, it works in this very specific way. And that's, and that's what I find so fascinating with why people are connecting. And these shamans talked about the grays is that they understand that this network that the psilocybin is tapping into and controlling, it is closer and tapping into the fifth dimension. And this fifth dimension is where they live. And these, of course, these, there's multiple species of grays, apparently, at least a few. And they actually, actually happen to be, um, you know, probably more, uh, well, they are, they're silicon based, but they're probably, it could be even us in the future, but they're, they're, they're like a, like an Android hybrid, you know, organic being, right. And no emotion maybe, but that's, what's drawing them. And it's so fascinating to them is because when people are doing this, they're tapping in and they've had experiences with people doing them in ceremonies where they're they're having either visions or they've had some uh, you know yeah. some, this is that network and they're and they live in that in those realms so i find it super fascinating that we um that we potentially when we start doing in, in you know getting into the dmts you're bypassing that fifth and you're going into even deeper stuff which is where the celestial beings are and yeah. where and i've had some guests on april a couple months ago and she she talked about all this you know which is you know um i have close relatives and people that are close to me that, that focus on all this and this is really super fascinating stuff but i think it's a, it's okay to realize that it is part of the journey and that i i see things one way it doesn't necessarily mean it's true and everybody's going to experience something different but we're on a course of of opening up to oh, realizing sure. that there's so much more for sure you know what's interesting is i would say the average demographic of folks who are coming to psychedelic passage seeking some form of treatment 40 to 70 year olds who are now uh, either retired, empty nesters, kids have gone off and they're like, oh, my God, what am I doing with my life? And what's what's crazy is this was the generation that was totally indoctrinated with the war on drugs. These things will make you crazy, you know, crack your spine after an LSD trip and you'll be yeah, I know. like <laughs> all that all stuff. That. <laughs> and and what's crazy is they're coming around to the fact now of like, oh, Maybe I don't have it all figured out. Maybe I'm not as happy as I thought. Maybe I don't have a lot of direction in my life. And I'm actually willing to engage with something that would have never been an option before. And so I think we are all, um, I hate the word waking up, but I think we are all um, understanding that there may be more than meets the eye and there may be other ways to heal, alternative forms of growth, development, evolution, healing, and what's what's interesting to me is the more people that share their experiences, the more normal this whole thing becomes. 
Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and that is probably one of the more fascinating things is because that, that is a reflection of our natural evolution. It's like things change, right? I mean, that's the one constant, right? But, but that we are, um, we are shifting into this new era and this new time of understanding, uh, more of, of the why, because I find like one commonality when you read entrepreneurial, um, startup books to philosophy, all these things, there's still this center area of this question of why, right? And I've had some very, very deep questions and I keep going to being like, well, if you're going to ask uh, a a question, I mean, that's ultimately, you have to have the ultimate question, right? Uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy does a funny rendition of it, but it is very true. It's like, how do you really know until you ask the ultimate question and the why? And that's why uh, we tend to want to... um, when we are lost or when we're stuck and we have these breakthroughs, it's like we were really seeking the why. Yeah. Like, why are we here? Yeah, why? Why are we human? Why am I aware? Whatever. Yeah, yeah because I think, you know, what's the other thing that I see a lot of is is people want happiness, right? Like, people want to be happy. And I'm thinking, wait a second here. If you're happy all the time, we've got a term for that. It's called manic, right? And so that's not the goal, in my opinion. My My whole thing is, like, can we arrive at a place of inner peace, yeah, because cause it, happiness is not a, a end result. You can't be happy all the time, right? I think about like us as humans is like we have this full human range of emotion. And if all we do is focus on one end, whether it's all depression or all happiness or something in between, you're missing out on this full range, right? You've got this rainbow of emotion. We're here to experience all of it. And most of us spend our whole lives trying to just chase one flavor. And I think for me, what makes a lot more sense is like, well... If we were all just at peace inside, this wouldn't be such a big deal. And right. so to me, it's like, how do we cultivate a bit of self-love, a bit of self-compassion, a bit of grace, a bit of peace, so that we're totally okay just being with ourselves? And I think to me, that's where I, that's kind of the lens that I look at all this through. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's that's a very insightful and very powerful uh, perspective. And I know that, that a lot of it is with this journey that you've taken, you know, kind of taking the leadership, right? And, you you know, the research, the personal experiences, you're bringing it in. And I just find it super fascinating and super um, – uh, I guess inspiring that you that you have chosen this path, right? <laughs> and I think, uh, did you find it? Did was there a, a magical moment where you're like, "This is my purpose. This is what I want to do." No. So for those who are listening, you probably wouldn't believe this, but I had a whole prior career in commercial real estate, and it was all in the corporate cogs of of you know America. And I I just reached my break, breaking point. Like I was one of those people that kind of had it all on paper, but inside I was miserable, just hollow inside. And so it took me a lot of years of basically unlearning everything I thought I was rediscovering who I actually am when I'm not ridden with people pleasing and conditioning and what my parents expect of me and what society expects of me. And eventually I had a choice to make, which is like, I can either be really honest with myself and do what I want to do, knowing that it st- it pushes every fear response I have and is full of uncertainty, or I can go the safe route and just like get a job. And for me, I realized that there was a trade-off between comfort and fulfillment, and I chose to go down the fulfillment path, but I would be lying if I said it was easy. Mm-hmm. I have days where I'm like ready to give up and throw in the towel, but I, I always somehow, some way find the resolve to just like keep going. Yeah, no, I, I know. And that's um, part of, too, I believe, 
where everybody is kind of challenged with currently is figuring out their purpose, right? And and uh, I think it's super cool and interesting that you know you've you've had this clarity and you had this i i've had some of mine and i've come back and i've now kind of back on it like i need to be doing my purpose like what is it it's not just following your passion but you're it's like a it's like fulfilling that purpose because um, that's probably what most people are battling with when they're not really in the right safe space and i think the purpose question's hard because we put a lot of pressure on it right? What is my purpose? I'm like, what if I told you you had four purposes, right? Like yeah. you're, you have a purpose of loving, you have a purpose of being a father. You've got a purpose of, of, you know, serving others in your own special way. Like I, I truly believe we're multidimensional beings and to boil it all down to like, my purpose is one thing. Like, I, I don't know if I totally resonate with that. Cause we all have these different roles that we play in society. Yeah. There's definitely not going to be one. And, uh, and I think that if you could, if even if you had a few, right, and right. We're, and you'd be okay with it, and you were able to do one, you know, I think you're, you know you're you're here doing the right thing at least, or totally, uh, you know. And we all ultimately just want to be loved, heard, and acknowledged, but uh, and to leave the place a little bit better than than when we came, and totally. And so I think that's one of the most powerful things with uh, a spiritual journey or or journeying with you know discovery uh, with psilocybin is that. Uh, those are a few things that you can get and they take away from it. And and uh, they might seem really intense to some and they might seem light to the other. And that's kind of the beauty, I suppose, of life, right, is yeah. to take this journey. And to sometimes you do need to take a leap of faith and just let things go and be able to uh, – to uh, to be open to uh, discovery and and uh, know that there's there's always something more and that uh, but that you don't have to necessarily discover that you know that's there's not there's not a rule book to say you totally. know that, that I have to have more or or that the discovery I think that was tough for me when I was in my twenties is yet I had experimented but I was like there was something more I'm like I'm, I have this strong desire to learn more and know more and uh, into my 30s I was like I had to know more about extraterrestrials I had to know more about uh, you know this these these spiritual journeys will come to find out it was when I let go of it all and said I had to hit the reset and just say you know I thought I knew I'm just gonna let go and whatever comes comes and that's when that's when I actually find yeah the, the irony of surrender yeah oh, <laughs> it's beautiful <laughs> that's it's poetic like, justice it's right? like a, it's like a, a you know there's this quote that says um, something along the lines of like a man can only recognize his true power when he recognizes that he's powerless mm-hmm. and there's just such a humbling experience around recognizing how small you are and how how little control we actually have despite feeling like we yeah. have it all <laughs> yeah no we really don't have control over much and, no. and the only in the important ones really is our, our thoughts our actions and behaviors Internal everything state. else yeah everything else is is uh, is uh, god's will the universe whatever you want to say it's just it, it is that is the control and we just need to let uh, that process happen right totally and, and uh yeah and uh, i'm sure we could probably get into all kinds of stuff and some more of the meaning of life luckily we solved a lot of the <laughs> problems of society and <laughs> and got to know each other this is really really exciting and this yeah, is thanks for having this me. is definitely one of my best shows ever and i'm just super excited and thankful that you were able to come on and and i'm gonna have you back if you're down for sure of course yeah, it'd be to. great it'd be yeah. great and i'm definitely wanna um i'm gonna come in and and chat with you i have definitely some people that i know would be great clients and so um thank you so much nick for coming in yeah, my and pleasure. uh for all the listeners just go check out if you if you have the chance and 
if you're interested, uh, psychedelicpassage.com, www.psychedelicpassage.com. And there are lots of re- uh, research references and yep. resources on that. Yep. Blog posts, podcasts, all kinds of free stuff. Everything is rooted in research, anecdotal evidence, and as unbiased as we possibly can be. Yeah, and that is about as professional and as good as it gets. So thank, thank you for your work and everything that you do for society and, and, for, um, and for the journeyers. Yeah, thanks for having me. Appreciate it, Adam. Yeah, thanks, Nick.